Take your Bible, please, today and be turning to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, we continue a series, a summer series. We've called Lessons from Proverbs. Wise up! And uh, if you're coming in today, maybe for the first time, uh, we've spent a couple messages talking about the Proverbs themselves and how to study Proverbs and why to study Proverbs. Then we jumped into Proverbs proper last week as we talked about wisdom for your family. And today we're going to jump into some more Proverbs. And my goal is not only to get people excited about Proverbs, and we've challenged people to read through the book of Proverbs uh, during the summer, at least one time. I wonder how many of you have taken the challenge of reading through Proverbs some? Good. And uh, you're reading it uh, maybe a little bit day by day or chapter a day. And then moving from just reading Proverbs to falling in love with Proverbs, of how practical it is. And then um, understanding exactly how to approach the book. Well, today we come again to that study. Uh, wise up lessons uh, from Proverbs. There's a story about a Texas rancher who was doing some agricultural consulting for a farmer in Germany. And as he was doing this consulting work, he asked the German farmer how big his property was. And the farmer said, oh, about a mile square. Well, the German farmer decided he'd ask this Texan consultant, this rancher, how big uh, his ranch was. What's the size of his ranch? And the rancher looked at the uh, German farmer and he said, well, if I get in my pickup truck at dawn and I drove until sunset, I would still be on my ranch. Well, not to be outdone, the farmer simply replied, I used to have an old truck like that. (laughs) Why is it that we uh, measure a person's wealth by how much money they have or how much land they have or how much stuff they have? I mean, are these the things that truly make a person wealthy? How much money you have and how much land you have and how much stuff you have? Well, today we're going to talk about money and our stuff, because we're going into Proverbs and seeing what the book teaches and then bringing it out, laying it out in front of us and seeing how practical it is. And did you know that the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about this particular subject? In fact, we're calling today's message, as we think about money and our stuff, we're calling it wisdom for your finances, wisdom for your finances. Now, Solomon, who's the primary author, the human author of this book, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's God's word. But he used Solomon primarily to write this book. He knew a little something about money and he knew a little something about wealth. And I mean, he was the richest man who ever lived. And God is interested in how we handle our money and our stuff and our material possessions. And the Bible is chock full about teaching concerning how we handle possessions and money. The Lord Jesus Christ had a lot to say about the way we handle money and possessions. But I'm going to do my best today to stay in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Now, of course, we know that the Bible will influence the Bible teaching from other sections will influence what we say and impact what we say. But I'm going to do my best to stay in the book of Proverbs and show you what Proverbs has to say in particular about uh, this idea of our finances and our possessions and our money. So let's jump in with both feet. okay? and as I thought about this, how do I best approach this with all these different Proverbs? I thought the very best thing to do would be, first of all, just to simply take a step back and get some clarity, take a step back and get some clarity. You know, sometimes, beloved, when you're in the midst of something, uh, sometimes it's good just to take a step back, to catch your breath, to look at it objectively, 
and gain some clarity. Now, when you're going through some trials, some problems, some troubles, you've got big decisions to make, you're going through some things, it's good just to take a step back and get some clarity. And I thought, let's step back today and get some clarity. Do you realize that every day we're surrounded by money? Now, you may not realize, but every day we're surrounded by money and finances and stuff. You go to a job and you do what? You earn a paycheck. You earn money. So in other words, you exchange a portion of your life. I mean, literally your life in order to get a paycheck. And then when you're not at work, you have to spend time spending that paycheck and spending that money. Uh, You're at the grocery store. I'm at the grocery store a lot. I've got three young boys and I'm afraid I've got to get a job at the grocery store, too. But anyway, you're buying groceries and you're working to pay off a mortgage and you're paying your bills and maybe you're saving for college education. You're saving for retirement. Our life, a lot of it revolves around this whole idea of money and earning money and spending money and doing all these things. Have you ever thought about how much time you spend earning money and spending money and saving money and worrying about money and handling money and balancing checkbooks if you actually do that and All these things, so much of our life is spent with us. So I think we need to take a step back and get some clarity and look at this thing objectively and look at it, especially biblically. And as we step back and look at this whole idea, it's some clarity and objectivity. And biblically, we find a very important truth. And I want us all to understand it. And it's simply this money isn't everything. Money isn't everything. Now, money is necessary. We have to have money. There's no way to exist, I don't think, without some money, some finances, some material possessions. But money isn't everything. In other words, it's not most valuable. Because if we're not careful, we can spend so much of our life with this whole idea that we lose a proper place in our minds for just how valuable things really are. I want you to consider the book of Proverbs with me. Now, I'm going to do this. I'm going to project most of the scripture on the screen because we're going to move through a lot of scripture. If you want to follow along, you can. If you want to jot the references down, you can. But I want us all to be on the same page. And so I'm going to project a lot of these. If you want to follow along on the screen, jot the references. If you want to follow in your Bible, that's good. But I want you to consider what the book of Proverbs has to say concerning that thought. Money isn't everything. Did you know that having the Lord is better than having money? Having the Lord is better than having money. What does Proverbs say? Well, look at Proverbs fifteen sixteen. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Having the Lord is better than having money. Proverbs sixteen eight. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Listen, better to be the poorest person in all the world and know Jesus than to be the richest man or richest woman in all the world and not know Jesus. Be without Jesus. You see, knowing the Lord, having the Lord is better than having money. In fact, Proverbs eleven four says this. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And so, beloved, when you uh, die, it doesn't matter if you're the richest person or the poorest person. What matters is you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That you've turned from your sin and placed your faith in Christ. And then whether you're rich or poor or whatever, that doesn't matter. What matters is that you know Jesus and Jesus knows you. And you have a home in heaven. 
And if you're here today and you've never received Christ, I invite you today to turn from your sin and place your faith in Him. But I want to say something else, and that's this. Did you know by world standards, everybody in here is rich? Now, by world's standards, by the world's standard. In other words, when you look at the population of the world, don't just look at America, but the world. Did you know everybody in here is rich? And I mean super rich. I mean everybody. So not me. Yes, you. Last month, July 8th, 2015, CNN Money reported this. 71% of the world's population, they remain low income or poor, living off of $10 or less a day. Now think about that. In fact, globally, it's... The majority of people live on about $3 a day. Now think about that for a moment. Do you have more than $3 a day? Do you have more than $10 a day? We need to understand that God has blessed us. We're rich when it comes to world standards. But we must beware. Because money can get our eyes off the Lord and get us distracted. And get us focused thinking that, well, the real thing, the real issue is money. And so we are distracted trying to earn more and save more and spend more. But that's not the focus of life. I think that's one of the reasons that Agur, A-G-U-R, Agur, uh, prayed the prayer that he did in the book of Proverbs. You ever consider Agur's prayer? If you're reading through the book, you would have found it when you got near the end in chapter 30. If not, look at it with me. Here's what Agur prayed. He says in Proverbs 37 through 9, two things I request of you, deprive me not before I die, remove falsehood and lies from me. Well, that's a good prayer, isn't it? God, help me to be truthful. Help me not to be a liar. Help me not to be spreading falsehoods. But notice the next part and see if you would pray a prayer like this. Notice what he prays. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food allotted to me. God, don't let me be poor. Don't let me be rich. Now, most people would pray which way? God, let me be rich. I won't ask if anybody has ever prayed, Lord, please let me win the lottery. Oh, my. I won't ask that. But listen, Edgar didn't pray that way. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. Why? Notice the next verse, verse 9. Lest I be full... And deny you. In other words, I'm so rich, I become self-sufficient. I don't need the Lord, I have riches. Or, and say, who is the Lord? You know, I don't need the Lord. Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. In other words, what Edgar is simply praying is this. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. I don't want to become so rich that I ignore you. I'm distracted. I, I forget about you. I'm self-sufficient. But Lord, don't let me get so poor either that, that I, I'm tempted to steal and profane your name and do that which is unrighteous. Lord, just give us this day our daily bread. Give me the allotment. Give me what you would have me to have. He did not want money to get in the way of his relationship with the Lord or in any way to dishonor the Lord. And so I want to say to you today that having the Lord is better than having money. Money isn't everything. Having the Lord is better. Secondly, did you know this? Having wisdom is better than having money. Having wisdom is better than having money. That's what the Bible teaches. Look at Proverbs three thirteen through 15. Happy is the man who finds wisdom 
and the man who gains understanding. Why? For her proceeds are better. They're better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Look at Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Now, where do we get true wisdom? We get it from God, don't we? We get it from God's word. So if we're given a choice, somebody says to you, listen, you can have the word of God or you can have the riches of this world. What does the Bible say is the wise choice? Take the word of God. Take the word of God. We're better off taking the Bible because having wisdom, having God's word is better than having money. You see why we need to be in the word? We don't get this information on the news. We don't get it from Wall Street. You probably won't get it from your financial advisor. We need biblical clarity. We need to see that money isn't everything. Having the Lord is better than having money. Having wisdom is better than having money. That's not all it says. I want you to notice, thirdly, that having a good name is better than having money. Having a good name is better than having money. So, preacher, where do you find that? We find it in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor, rather than silver or gold. Listen, your name, your character is worth more than money. You can earn more money. You can earn more money. But if you destroy your name, if you destroy your testimony, it's hard to get back if you can even get it back. I've been watching with sadness as I see person after person in the news and media who destroyed their name. They had a good name, but they were living a, a, a life behind doors, closed doors. And now it's come to the fruition and they've ruined their name. Beloved, can I say to you, the Bible says it's better to have a good name than have lots of money. It's better to have a good reputation, a good character than have money. We want to be people of integrity. We want to be people that are honest and Christ-like in our dealings with finances. Because not everybody is. In fact, it's interesting when you read Proverbs, did you notice that some people are not honest? If you've read to chapter 13, you ran across this verse. There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing. And one who makes himself poor and yet has great riches. You ever met anybody like that? Oh, I don't have anything. And they're rich. Or somebody really doesn't have anything but they make themselves rich. They're the great pretenders. We need to be honest in our dealings and be people of integrity and be Christ-like. And so we've taken a step back and we understand for clarity's sake that money isn't everything. Right? But now we need to take a step up and talk about responsibility. Because as I've said, we're all blessed. We have money. We have possessions. We have, as I would like to refer to it, we have stuff. You got any stuff? You got a bunch of stuff? So let's talk about responsibility. How do we handle our money and our possessions? Well, Proverbs has a lot to say to about it. Now, due to the nature of this study and the time constraints, I'm going to give you a laundry list of things that Proverbs says about it. But I can give you a lot of comment. But I'm trying to encourage you to dive in here for yourself. Take these things, go back and look at them, talk about them, study and discuss it with your spouse or whatever. And really get in here. But, but if you're getting sleepy and you're about to check out on me. 
if you would just hold off the urge just another moment, I want you to get the first one on the list. Get the first one on the list, and then you can go to sleep. Because I think the first one on the list kind of sums up what we're trying to say today. And it's the first one on the list because it's important. And I put it there on purpose. When it comes to your finances, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. If you'll get that down and get nothing else today, then I'm going to feel like that we made some... uh, we accomplish something. Honor the Lord. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Very plain. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with your stuff. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Verse 10 says, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, you honor the Lord and the Lord will honor you. Now remember, this is a proverb. This is not an ironclad promise. We've talked a lot about that in days gone by. That you're going to be rich here if you serve the Lord. Because you may get your reward in heaven. Because there are a lot of people that have served the Lord, been faithful, and they're poor. But they love the Lord. But the principle here is you honor the Lord, the Lord will honor you. But this sums up our teaching today. When it comes to your finances, your possessions, your stuff, honor God with it. And yes... That includes tithing, and yes, it includes giving, but it goes way beyond that. If I'm going to honor the Lord, it's going to impact the way I earn my money. It's going to impact the way I spend it, the way I share it, the way I invest it, the way I save it. It goes well beyond just giving some money. It goes well beyond just giving a tithe or an offering or supporting a charity. It says honor the Lord with your possessions. Not just 10% or 15%, but 100%. Honor God with all of it. And the Lord may bless you financially. And beloved, when he does, if he does, it will be a true blessing. Did you know that? The Bible says very plainly, Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. It's a true blessing. Proverbs 14, 24, the crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. But listen, Riches are not the goal. Please don't make your life goal wealth. It talks about that in Proverbs 23, 4. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding cease. Don't make your life's goal to be rich. Make your life goal the honor and glory of the Lord. To live a life that brings glory to Jesus. To live a life that would point others to Jesus. And so when it comes to money, the first thing we find Proverbs reminds us of is to honor the Lord. Now, secondly, earn it honestly. Earn it honestly. We're going to go through quickly here. Earn it honestly. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Uh, look at Proverbs 16, 8, the New Living Translation. Better have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. Hmm. We're going to be honest in all of our financial dealings. Proverbs twenty-two sixteen, New Living Translation. A person who gets ahead by oppressing the poor or by showering gifts on the rich will end in poverty. So when it comes to earning your money, earn it honestly. Be honest in what you do. Give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Be honest in what you do. Honest in all matters. And you'll sleep a lot better at night and God can bless you. So honor the Lord. Earn it honestly. You ready for the next one? Spend it carefully. Spend it. These are principles from Proverbs. Spend it carefully. I don't care how rich you are. There is an end to your riches. 
there's a point where you say, you know what? I've got more month than I do money. And so we've got to spend it carefully. What does the Bible say about that? What does Proverbs say about that? Proverbs 21, 17. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Why? Because they're spending all their time and money doing pleasurable things and buying oil and wine and, and using it up. I love this quote I ran across this past week. I thought it was spot on. Frank Clark. I don't know who Frank Clark is, but I like what he said here. He said, listen, modern man is frantically trying to earn enough to buy things he's too busy to enjoy. Think about that. He's frantically trying to earn enough to buy things he's too busy to enjoy. We'd be wise to learn moderation and restraint and discipline when it comes to financial decisions. You've got to learn some restraint. If you love pleasure, now I think that Frank, let's say you want to uh, I'll, I'll pick on a boat for a minute. Nothing wrong with a boat, but let's say, you know, your whole desire in life is a boat. And so you go out and you find a bass boat. We'll put the fishermen out there. You find, I mean, I mean a bass boat. I mean the bass boat. And you've got to finance it. And now you've got the pressure of the bass boat. You've got to make the payment. And now instead of going on the bass boat on Saturdays, you've got to work extra to make the payment on the bass boat. Modern man is frantically trying to earn enough to buy things he's too busy to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with the bass boat, nothing wrong with fishing, none of that. But better to not work on Saturday and go on your friend's bass boat. Let him make the payments. <laughs> right? I mean, just use some wisdom. Some re- That's my... No, anyway. Uh, spend it carefully. Saving some instead of uh, investing or instead of spending it all. Proverbs twenty one twenty. Nobody's going to bite me on their boat anymore. Uh, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. He doesn't save and he wastes it. He squanders it. But a wise person invests some. They save some. And so we find here, we're making a laundry list here. Honor the Lord. Earn it honestly. Spend it carefully. Here's the next one. Be careful with debt. Be careful with debt. Uh, Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. And, And so you want to be careful with that. And I know sometimes you may have to go into debt. You want to buy a home or something, but be careful with it. Don't get to the point where you're literally in you know, servitude because really, you know, they call them credit cards, but they're really debt cards. That's what they are. Uh, they're not giving you credit for say they're giving you debt. And so you'll be careful with debt. The, the Bible's very clear about that. This is so practical. See how practical I want you to dive in Proverbs. This is where we live. This is every day. And then there's one more. We don't have time to kind of enumerate it, but I'll give you the references there. Don't co-sign a loan. Did you know that Proverbs talks about that? Jot down this reference. We don't have time to look at it. We're running out of time. But jot down Proverbs 6, 1 through 5. Proverbs 1, or excuse me, Proverbs 6, 1 through 5. And go back and read that sometime. Talks about that it's not wise to co-sign a loan. Talks about it elsewhere as well. I was reading last night in Proverbs. I ran across another about co-signing a loan. Now, if it's your son or daughter, you pray and seek the Lord. But the Bible's very clear that you know, wisdom says, hey, don't, don't, don't give up your own security and safety on behalf of somebody else. It says it very plainly. Don't uh, co-sign uh, alone. Do you see how practical this book is? I mean, it meets us where we live. So we've taken a step back for clarity. We've taken a step up for responsibility. There's one more step and then we'll step out. OK, and that's the third one. We're going to step out when it comes to generosity. Step out when it comes to generosity. So we have clarity, responsibility, not generosity. And I call this a step out because it's a step of faith. Being generous acknowledges God's control over our life and our finances. 
Being generous says what to the Lord? It says this, Lord, I'm trusting you to take care of me. I'm going to take some of this that I have. I'm going to be generous and share it with other people. What does it say about that? Look at Proverbs 3, 27 and 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it. When you have it with you. It's so amazing to see how Proverbs talks about how God will honor generosity. Look at Proverbs eleven twenty four in the Living Translation. And this doesn't make sense from a human standpoint, but God doesn't always work from the way we understand, does he? Look at Proverbs eleven twenty four. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Proverbs twenty eight twenty seven. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing. But those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Proverbs 29, 7. The godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. Are you a generous person? Did you think about it, beloved? When we're generous, we're so much like our Heavenly Father, aren't we? He is so generous with us. He gave us the sunshine today. He gives us air to breathe. He gives us water to drink and food to eat. He is so generous with us. Think about all that he's given to us, all that he gives to us, all that he's going to give to us. He is a generous father. Well, I need to put a bow on this message and finish. And I thought about how can I best sum up what we've said, because we've said a lot in a short amount of time. But I think this phrase sums up what we've been saying today. And it's simply this. Trust the Lord, not your money. Trust the Lord, not your money. Proverbs 23, 5. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. You ever had that happen? <laughs> you, you get some money. Maybe you save up a little money or you get a little money or, or you get a little bonus or whatever. You got a little money there. You get a little nest egg. And something happens, doesn't it? And it flies away. Did you know your money's favorite song was I'll Fly Away? <laughs> That's your money's favorite song. You ever had that happen? And that's why you got to go back and say, listen, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust the Lord, not my money. We can't trust in money. We can't trust in possession. We can't trust in stuff. We've got to trust in the Lord. In fact, here in the U.S., we're reminded of that right on our money. I don't know if you thought about this before. Whether you have a penny in your pocket or a dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill, you're going to find written on uh, that uh, Money, these words, in God we trust. In God we trust. According to the Treasury Department, the motto, in God we trust, was placed on United States uh, coins largely because of religious sentiment that took place during the Civil War. Secretary of Treasurer Salmon Chase received many appeals from devout persons throughout the country urging that the United States recognize deity. On United States coins. And that phrase, in God we trust, our motto first appeared on the 1864 two cent coin. Later, a law was passed by the 84th Congress, July 30th, 1956, the president and so forth, declaring in God we trust the national motto of the United States. And of course, it was appeared in the first paper currency back in 1957. Now, I'll be honest with you, but I don't know how much longer those words will appear on our money. 
You know, there's already tried. They try and try. And I, and I know that for a lot of people, those words are just words. They don't mean anything. You know, they just see it and they don't care what the bill says. They just care about the numbers on the bill. But I pray that as believers, I pray as followers of Jesus Christ, that those words on our currency, they truly represent our philosophy and our belief that we're not trusting in this money. We're trusting in God. And though we've got to have money and we've got to use money, we've got to earn money and spend money and save money and invest money and give money and do all this with money. Our trust is in God. And I pray that we'll always trust the Lord and honor him in everything that we do. Amen. This book is chock full. You need some financial help. Dive in and take a swim. In the wisdom you'll find in the book of Proverbs. We've got one more message on Proverbs we'll look at next week. And I hope you'll be back to hear that. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for this message. As you look at your wisdom from this book. Father, I pray that you would help us to always trust you and honor you in all that we do concerning our money. And our possessions and our stuff. Because what we acknowledge today, it's really not ours anyway. It all belongs to you. I pray your blessing now upon the remainder of this service, this invitation time, the baptisms, the business session. May you receive glory, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Those that are going to be getting baptized, I would invite you to be slipping back and getting prepared for that. You can go on now. Everybody else, take your hymn book. 411, we're going to sing a closing song. The altar is open today. Maybe God has spoken to your heart. If so, we would invite you to come. After we're done singing this hymn, you may be seated and our men are going to come and minister to us in song. But 411, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. That's where our trust is today. We trust in God and God alone. As we stand and sing 411, we'll sing to the entire song that you may be seated. The altar is open. We invite you to come. And after we sing, the men will come and minister to us in song before the baptism. Let's stand together and sing Tis So Sweet, 411. Tis.